because joyfully some of it fits. I'll let you figure that part out. We're in Acts 14. And remember where we left where we left Paul and Barnabas. They were they went on a mission trip from Antioch. They went over to Cyprus. They crossed all, all through Cyprus. The basic president of Cyprus said, you need to go to this next place next. And they went there and they probably had malaria and were sick. And um, John Mark went home because he was either too sick or he didn't want to be around for how sick Paul was. Paul was terribly sick and depended on all the Galatians to take care of him. But even in his sickness, he and Barnabas were able to go to the synagogue and talk about Jesus. And the pattern that happened there finally got them run out of town and they go to another city called Iconium. And that's where we are in Acts chapter 14, verse 1. In Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue. This is the same thing they did every time. That was their pattern. And they spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. So again, they show up in Iconium. If you have a really good map in the back of your study Bible, you can look and you can predict where they're going. It looks like they're heading back towards Antioch over land. That's the, the route they're taking. And again, it's dangerous. It, uh, uh, there's robbers on the, on the, by the sides of the road. There's all kinds of treachery. And they're, they're making this path. They show up at the synagogue. The people at the synagogue are like, Whoa, this is Saul from Jerusalem. He taught, learned under Gamaliel. He's like a rock star. Let's see if he has anything to say. Barnabas gets up and they preach and all kinds of people believe. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. Just about every place these guys go, nobody knows the message they have. They invite them to give the message. They give the message. Wow! People have been... I mean, like before Micah, 700 years before Jesus was born, people are longing for the Savior to come and to save them. And so when they hear the news that Jesus is the Messiah and Jesus is the Savior and He's come, they respond, they believe, and then the people that like their power and the people that like their position undercut them and they stir up trouble for them. So they stir up trouble for Paul and Barnabas and their message. And I love what the... Yes, these guys, they don't mess around. They don't play. So verse 2, it says that the Jews stirred up the Gentiles against them to cause them all kinds of trouble. Verse 3, so they stayed there for a really long time speaking boldly. It's like, oh, we're making everybody mad that we're here? Then we're going to stay here. It's really important that we teach you this thing. They remained there for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord who bore witness to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So they're not just staying there to be mean. They're staying there because they're like, okay, there's so much opposition that if we don't really build the church up strong before we leave, they're going to get crushed. They're going to get destroyed as soon as we leave. So let's stay and build them up. And then God works miracles 
And as we've seen other places in the book of Acts, there's a lot of, in, throughout the Gospels, there's a lot of places where when people start to argue, God will work a miracle and nobody can argue with the miracle. Nobody, nobody can say, you know what, you shouldn't be carrying that, that, uh, that cot that you're carrying. You're not supposed to carry that on the Sabbath. Who told you to carry that? And the guy answers, well, the guy that healed me from being paralyzed for 38 years told me it was okay for me to carry it. What are you going to say to that, right? uh, Well, uh, (laughs) if he's that powerful, maybe you should listen to him. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jewish leaders, some with the apostles. Then there's an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with the rulers to mistreat them and stone them. So Paul and Barnabas, we don't know the details of it, but they hear everybody's getting together. They're going to drag you out into the city square tomorrow and they're going to stone you to death. Something like that. They flee to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia and the surrounding county and their country, and there they continue to preach the gospel. Okay, here's what's crazy. They've been going through Cyprus, and all the cities they mentioned in Cyprus were Roman cities that would have Roman soldiers, that would have law and order, that would have basically police, right? Sergius Paulus says, you need to go see my family up in the mountains and get away from this malaria. They go up into this city, that city that they went to. And then Iconium are all big Roman cities with Roman soldiers. So if people are going to run out in the street and stone you to death, it's going to look like a riot, and the Romans are at least going to protect you, and the Roman army is going to try to keep some semblance of law. Lystra and Derby are like Boonville and Chandler. You just left the main road, and you are now going out into the country. You just went out into... Uh, Cynthiana. And they're going to deal with law a little different in Cynthiana than they do in downtown Evansville. Which means it's more dangerous for Saul, for Paul and Barnabas, right? Now you're kind of getting into the Old West versus where there's military presence and, and structured government. They go there and they continue to preach the gospel. So first of all, they weren't afraid when they were in Iconium, when everybody, half the town was divided against them, they stayed there extra long to make sure everybody got the message until the night before they were going to get stoned and beaten and they escaped. They go to other cities, small towns, and they preach there and people hear it. All right, so now we got to go back about a thousand years before this. And we're going to go to your Greek mythology class. And if you took a Greek mythology class, you would hear this story about these people. These uh, No, about this Zeus and his messenger Hermes, or Mercury, which are gods of ancient Greek mythology. And they went to this place, Lystra, in their story. And they went to a thousand houses and nobody answered the door for them or showed them hospitality. And so they wiped out the whole city and the whole land and everybody and they all got killed. Except for two people 
that uh, they turned into trees and they were growing there. So the people of Lystra built a temple to worship Zeus and Hermes between these two big old trees because these people got turned into trees because they were the only people that showed hospitality. And they said, we're never going to do that again. Okay? This is how much God loves us. This is how much God wants to reach right into our lives and care for us and to reach us where where we can understand. He reached into those shepherds on Christmas when they saw a baby wrapped in cloth like a sacrificial lamb. He spoke a language that they would understand, that they would realize this is the Savior and He is a sacrifice for our sins. So, you got this whole village of people, this whole countryside. They have this thousand-year-old folk tale that says, when Zeus and Hermes come, you listen to them and you welcome them. Otherwise, the whole village will get wiped out. And Paul and Barnabas show up. And Paul and Barnabas show up. And they go into Lystra and there's a man who's sitting there who couldn't use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He's lame. He listened to Paul speaking and Paul looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he stood up and he began walking. So this is almost the exact same story of what Peter did. Remember when Peter healed the guy, the the guy outside the temple that was begging? And Peter said, look at me. And the guy looked at him and looked intently at him and said, get up and walk. And he got up and walked and everybody celebrated. And the guy had never walked before. That was a sign to everybody that God was there, that God was working. It was validating these signs. And so Paul and Barnabas come in. It's the same kind of thing. But you've got a whole village of people that say, we're not going to make the same mistake that they did a thousand years ago. When the gods come, when Zeus and Hermes come, we're going to welcome them. And so this guy gets up and walks. He listened to Paul. uh, Let's see. Stand upright. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language that Paul probably didn't know. But they shouted in their ancient language, the gods have come down to us in human form. They think that Paul and Barnabas are gods. They think that they're Zeus and Hermes. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city. Remember, there's a temple there because they think all this happened. The priest priest of Zeus, whose temple was outside the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates. He and the crowds wanted to offer sacrifice. Alright, so this is a scene. In Greek mythology, Zeus is the old guy with the beard. Hermes is the young guy that does all the talking. Barnabas and Saul show up. Barnabas is healing people. And they would, you know, sacrifice their children and they would kill things and do horrible stuff. 
in honor of Zeus. So Zeus would work miracles, but there aren't recorded miracles happening as a result of that, unfortunately for them. Hermes was the messenger. So here's Barnabas healing people, and they think that he's Zeus. And here's Saul doing the speaking, and they think that he's Hermes. So God is working in their culture, in their current belief system. But listen to what Paul and Barnabas do. They go, whoa, 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 whoa. Stop, stop, stop. Stop it. When the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their clothes. They rushed out into the crowd. They said, uh, they're just so angry. Like, they go Hulk. And they just, don't do this. Don't sacrifice to Zeus. Don't sacrifice to Hermes. They're nothing. Why are you doing this? We are mortals just like you. We bring you good news that you should turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. So you think if this crowd of people really wants to know what the truth is and they really want to seek, they don't know who God is, but they know something exists out there and they want to follow it and they, and, and they want, they believe in it. And so when it shows up, they're going to listen to it, right? And they're going to obey. Wow, this is what we've looked for all of our lives. There's a bunch of people that I've talked to in my life that don't believe in God. And they don't believe that the Bible is true. And they think that it's just an old story. But there's got to be something out there. And I've said to them, some of them to their face, if there's something out there that you don't know, and there could possibly be a book that would explain that something to you, don't you think we should take that book seriously? And this one guy, he was like, well, there's a whole lot of books, and I, and I just don't know which one to believe. And I'm like, well, you cons- like the Bible, you could consider it. Oh, no. The fact is, it's, that guy doesn't want to know the truth. If the truth is offered, or it could, even, even, I knew another good friend of mine, he used to tell people, if you just take three verses of the Bible in context and do them, your whole life will be better. And that was his attempt to try to get people to read the Bible. If you would just consider it. But in reality, this city, they don't care about what the truth is. They don't care about what real power is. They really just want to rah-rah, sis-boom-bah for their local folktale and their local story. It's almost, it's almost like patriotism. It's like patriotism for their region. They, they won't hear anything bad about Zeus. They won't hear anything bad about Hermes because, man, that is, this is Zeus country. You don't talk bad. Uh, I, heard, I heard they used to teach in seminary. That um, you could preach against all kinds of sin and you could preach against all kinds of evil, but don't preach against tobacco in Kentucky. Like, half your congregation was fed by the sell of tobacco, so don't preach against it. Like, they really taught, told preachers, don't preach against it. When you're in Lystra, don't preach against Zeus. Paul's not listening to that, right? He's proclaiming the truth. 
He says, in past generations, he allowed the nations to follow their own ways. This is what y'all are doing, worshiping Zeus. But he has not left himself without a witness in doing good. You got rain from heaven. You had fruitful seasons filling you with food and all of your hearts with joy. Paul is now saying every good thing that ever happened to you did not come by the hand of Zeus. It came by the, the God that we are preaching. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the crowds from offering sacrifices to them. They're offering sacrifices to Barnabas and Paul, while Barnabas and Paul are saying, don't do this. Stop it. It's like, gosh, like all of the things that we want to be Christian and we want to seek after the Lord for, and we want to seek after God would, be we, would we be willing to see in the Scriptures God telling us, stop doing that? That's what a bunch of Isaiah is, right? Quit making widows and orphans suffer. I desire mercy. Show mercy. Keep your sacrifices. Oh, would we, would, do we love God enough to hear Him tell us, the right way to worship him. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the crowds from offering sacrifice. But the Jews came there from Antioch and Iconium. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, we knew the Jews were coming from Iconium. But did you catch that? They came from Antioch. There are people pursuing Paul from Antioch all the way across Cyprus, from Cyprus up into the mountains. Remember how I said that mountain road was so dangerous you could only get up there with a Roman army protecting you? The Jews are following them there. The Jews ran them out of there into Iconium. The Jews followed them from Iconium to Lystra and Derby, and they are here. The Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won over the crowds. Then they stoned Paul and they dragged him out of the city, supposing he was dead. They probably got that same crowd that was going to stone him in Iconium and just brought them all to Chandler, basically, right? This same thing happens today where if there's a city, I mean, that's why there's so many protesters in various cities because they're coming from other cities to join in. We've had it in Evansville at the library when they had that story time. All these people from out of town came in to make it look like we wanted to have that because there's so many big... They're doing this. They're following from city to city. And they eventually stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city supposing that he was dead. The thing that he was trying to avoid in Lystra and Derb, we don't know what happened to Barnabas during this. Remember, Barnabas is the one that they thought was Zeus. That they thought he was the older guy that had all the power. He was the one doing the healing. Isn't that wild? He doesn't get hurt here. But Paul is thought to be dead. Okay, let's not even talk about whether he was actually dead or not. He was stoned hard enough and bad enough that they thought he was dead. If they have a dead body that they hate and they're executing him, do you think that they carried him out of town gingerly? 
and threw him down. That part might have been worse than the stoning. And Paul has left. So now, John Mark has already left and gone back, probably because of some malaria. Paul has traveled with Barnabas, all these dangerous roads, and now this has happened. And I'm thinking, that is it. I am done. We are going back to Tarsus, where I've been for the last nine years before Barnabas came and dragged me over to Antioch. This is it. But I'm not the Apostle Paul. When the disciples surrounded him, he got up and went into the city. And the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derby. So there's disciples there that believe him. They probably ran when he was getting stoned. He gets thrown out of the city. All the disciples come and they gather around him and they see his body. And everybody thinks he's dead. And he gets up. He gets up. And where does he go? Right back into the city. Dude is bold. Dude is not afraid. The next day, he goes on with Barnabas to Derby. Lister and Derby were really close to each other. After they had proclaimed the good news to that city, what? He did not stay quiet. He did not stop. He proclaims the good news to Derby. They return to Lystra. They go back to the city where they thought he was dead. Then on to Iconium. Wait, 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 wait. Why would you go back to Iconium if that's the city you were running to? This even gets better if you look at it on a map, you guys. Because they went from Antioch over to Cyprus. They go up into the mountains. They're around up in the mountains in the highland. They work their way back. Guess they are so close. Antioch is here. Tarsus is halfway home. Paul's hometown. Like, like the mission trip takes them like three blocks. Not three blocks. It takes them almost to Paul's hometown. His hometown is here. Home where they came from is Antioch is here. And instead they go back through every city that they spoke in. And they, well, look what they did. They strengthened the soul. They went on to Antioch, on to Iconium, and on to Antioch. They strengthened the souls of the disciples and encouraged them to continue in the faith, saying, It is through many persecutions that we must enter the kingdom of heaven. You guys, it's going to be hard to be Christians. I just, back in Lystra, I got stoned, and they thought I was dead, and they threw me out of the city, and I'm fine. We just came from Jerusalem where Peter was arrested for a week and he was going to be executed and he was chained to two Roman guards and the chains fell off and he just walked right out like it was no big deal and nobody knew it. They were all asleep. The kingdom of heaven is coming. Through many persecutions, we will enter the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that wild? His message wasn't, Oh, Lystra, they blame blame those stupid derby. He didn't. He encouraged them. Continue in the faith through many persecutions that we must enter the kingdom of heaven. After they appointed elders for them in every one of those churches, they appoint elders with prayer and fasting. They entrust them to the Lord. 
And then they leave. They go on through Pisidian Antioch. They go to Pamphylia. When they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. These are all cities in Turkey that you can go to today. And um, you can see them on a map. From there, they finally sailed back to Antioch. Okay, so the Antioch church, think about their perspective. We prayed, we fasted, God set apart Saul and Barnabas to send them out. Shortly after that, a bunch of Jews came through trying to stop them and and taint their word, and we ran them off. As far as we know, they haven't heard anything for like a year. We don't know how long it's been. Can you imagine Paul and Barnabas coming back to the Antioch church? They haven't seen him. They haven't heard. They don't know what's going on. They sailed back to Antioch from where they had been commended by the grace of God for the work that they had completed. When they arrived, they called the church together and related all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith for the Gentiles. And they stayed with with the disciples for some time. It could be in this time right here, or it could have been just before that last boat trip that Paul wrote the letter to the Galatians. So if you want to see what happens in the context of this and what Paul is thinking, you can read Galatians and you can see how he encouraged those churches, how he moved them. Come on, team, let's do this. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. He wrote that after he had been stoned and left for dead. And got back up again. When he says, I'm crucified with Christ and I no longer live. When he said, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and tenderness and faithfulness and self-control. He wrote all of that in the context of finishing this missionary journey. Another crazy cool thing. When they go back here, remember how I said, Acts is kind of in two halves. There's 28 chapters of Acts. The first half is to the Jewish people and Jewish people figuring out how to live with their Messiah. The second half is to the Gentiles. This is the end of Paul's first missionary journey where he went mainly to synagogues among the Greeks and then he got run out of town And he went to the Gentiles, to the Greeks. Next week, we're going to start Acts 15. And it is the second half of the book of Acts. And this is where the Jewish believers are going to get left behind. Paul said a couple times, he said already, it was necessary that I come to God's chosen people first, but now I'm going to the Gentiles. All of the awesomeness of Christmas... And the prophecies and all of that all applies to the Jewish believers. The Jewish people longing for a Messiah. From here on, he doesn't have that to stand on. He doesn't have prophecies. He doesn't have the history. He doesn't have Judaism. He's not going to be based on that. And what I want you to watch, which is really fun as we enter into that, is what do we have to stand on as we talk to people, right? We don't have a whole bunch of Jewish history and a bunch of Jewish prophecies. We just have, here we are, our real life right now, right? And so, as we go with whoever we go with in Acts 15 forward, don't want to spoil it, 
But as we go forward, we can see a real, a real model of a way to live the Christian life in, in a Roman land, in a, in a foreign land. So, all right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the way that you show your mercy, that you always speak. You always speak to us in just the way that we need to hear it. Lord, that you spoke to the people of Lystra and Derby right through the, the deepest parts of their culture, and that even today you speak to us through the deepest parts of our culture. And I pray that you give us eyes to see, Lord, that we would see where you're working and where you're moving, that you would move your Holy Spirit through us, either with words or with signs and miracles, to proclaim your kingdom and to proclaim your salvation and your good news to every person. We love you and we praise you, Lord. Thank you so much. Amen. All right.